Hey there, I'm Lena Elkins, head coach and trainer at Lena Elkins Coaching. Welcome to Unfiltered, where we talk about real business, real marketing, and real transformation. This podcast is created for aspiring and growing online entrepreneurs who are investing their own capital, their own time, and their own energy into transforming their lives and companies, and are on a mission to multiply their income, influence, and impact fast. Welcome to Unfiltered, and I hope you love the episode. Hello, my friends. Lena Elkins here, and welcome back to Unfiltered. Super excited to have you guys on this episode today, where we are interviewing the fabulous Mike Michalowicz. If you guys don't know Mike Michalowicz, you are living under a rock, but he is the author of Profit First, Clockwork, Surge, The Pumpkin Plan, and his newest release, Fix This Next, which we're going to be talking about in a little bit. So by his 35th birthday, Mike had already founded and sold two companies, one private equity and another to a Fortune 500 company. And today he is running his third multi-million dollar venture, Profit First Professionals. Mike is a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal and a former business makeover specialist on MSNBC. And over the years, Mike has traveled the globe speaking with thousands of entrepreneurs and he is here to share the best of what he has learned with us today. So Mike, thank you so much for being here. Lena, thank you for putting this together. I'm excited. Yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. So so here's typically when I share introductions like that, a lot of my audience tends to be like, what the hell? I have never felt so lazy in my life, right? <laughs> People start to feel uh, a little intimidated when they hear bios like that and they begin to feel overwhelmed. But as you and I both know, I really feel like it all starts with that first step right? Instead of looking at everything, what's the first step that you took, right? So I would love if you would share with our audience, when did you first take that step into entrepreneurship and what was that like for you and what sort of gave you the the inspiration to go ahead and make that leap? Yeah. And I think it's also just to add to that one point for answer is that it's also important to realize, you know, there's tons of struggle that conveniently I leave off of my CV. I think some people hear that and like, oh, this guy sounds like he's full of himself, you know, but it was struggle. And so to start, you know, my fall into entrepreneurship was, was a figurative fall. I never planned to be an entrepreneur. I had no dreams or aspirations. I thought I'd have one job for my the entirety of my life because that's what my father had. And that's mm-hmm. what I was you know, prepared for. But the thing was after university, I couldn't get a job. So not a good one. I, I worked at a computer store, but I couldn't get the career type of job. And so one night I went out for drinks, and this is not a business tip, by the way. I went out for, for drinks with another guy that worked there. And uh, we we're just lamenting about working for the man. Like, you know, the, the, the owner of that computer store sat in the back smoking a cigar and counting money. That's at least how I visualized it. While I hustled around trying to sell computers and printers. And I remember saying to this guy, I'm like, I carry this business. I am the business. And he's like, well, why don't you just start your own? I'm like, yeah. And now three or four, you know, beers in, like liquid courage is, it's, it's very a helpful. Thing. Yeah. I'm like, I, I got this. I'm slurring. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I left this like slurry, ridiculous message for the then boss. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm quitting. I'm going to start my own business and I'm out of here. And the next morning with sobriety, I was like, oh gosh, I didn't mean to do that. And went back in saying, hey, I got a little drunk. I want my job back. He's like, no, kid, you're, you're out of here. You're done. You're fired. And he's like, oh, he goes, by the way, if you try to compete with me, every other computer store I know, and I know them all around here, we're going to try to destroy you collectively. And we will destroy you collectively. And so um, 
I started my little computer business. It wasn't a store. It was the same computer systems. And what I found was that fear uh, is a great motivator to get a business started. I was so afraid of failure because I had nowhere to go now. Um, I also started my family when I was very young. So my wife and my my son, it was the three of us. I had three mouths to feed as a 23-year-old and uh, starting my own business. And you know, in retrospect, it was the best thing I ever did because I had burned the boats. I had no alternative but to make a run at this and be successful. Yeah, I think that's massive, recognizing that when you sort of eliminate the plan B, you eliminate the backup plan, right? And you go all in on plan A, you really don't have a choice, right? Yeah. When you're like, yeah. Yeah, there's this, there's this story about burning the boats, and it's, it's maybe mythology, but the story goes, you know, in yesteryear, there was this uh, small army attacking a, a larger army that was in a defensive position on the island. The small army lands their boats, they unload, and the captain tells the military, burn the boats. And they dutifully burn the boats, and he looks at his army and says, listen, we, get, we have one-tenth their size, they're in defensive positions, but we have no way off the island we have to win or you die. And uh, they won. And th that's what happens in life. I, I don't know if it's prudent intentionally to do that. Like, I don't think leaving drunky slurry messages was a prudent choice, but it did burn the boats and give me no alternative. So I had to make it work. Yeah, I totally hear that. I really resonate with that message. Thank you. Mm. So, so of course, you know, you've been in a business for a long time and you've sold two businesses. And I'm curious if you would be open to sharing, you know, some of your secrets to the longevity, right? And the long-term success that you've had as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So I think the big key to it is finding purpose. So let me kind of disqualify some of my businesses. My, my first two businesses were multi-million dollar businesses. I did exit from both. One was a Fortune 500 that acquired my company and one was a private equity deal. And they were great and I made a lot of money. Um, but those businesses were never healthy when I was running it. And that's a very important part. I didn't understand business finances. I didn't understand HR, all those things. I thought I did, but I didn't. I was lucky in retrospect that I was acquired when I was because those businesses were just clinging on to life. And as they grew, it actually was getting worse. The stress was overwhelming. It was on my third business that I also conveniently leave off my CV where hmm. I found purpose. My, my third business was an angel, as, a, as an angel investor, I was investing in all these different startups. I thought I knew everything. I was in my early 30s. I'm such a smart guy. Well, I wasn't. And I started 10 companies that failed. I wiped out all of the wealth I'd accumulated at this point. It was devastating. I lost my house, my possession. I lost everything except for my, my family. And that became a restart for me. I spent two years in depression. I was drinking. Uh, and I'm not being boastful about this. I just feel so compelled now to share it because the most afflicted community with depression is entrepreneurs. <laughs> like yeah. the stress we are under is overwhelming. So I, uh, I found purpose in that though. I found my lack of understanding entrepreneurship um, needed to be fixed for me and then ultimately for others. So I started to write initially just almost of a self-therapy, but ultimately I discovered purpose in eradicating entrepreneurial poverty. That's why I call it this perception of success, but the reality of struggle. That's why I call it entrepreneurial poverty. And I became an author full-time now 12 years ago uh, writing about how to simplify entrepreneur, entrepreneurship in many ways, financial, 
uh, organizational efficiency, all these components. And uh, it, it, it's such a purpose for me that I, I can't be stopped. Like, I, like maybe my books will fail, maybe things won't work out, but I so am viscerally associated with this purpose, I won't be stopped. And I think that's what I attribute the success to. The interesting thing too is with the popularity of my books now, I've been approached by businesses that say, hey, you know, you know what you're talking about. Would you be interested in having equity in our company to just be a guide? And so now I'm an equity owner in four businesses um, as a result. So it's really, it's all rooted in purpose that brings about this relentless spirit. I completely hear that. That is so, so, so powerful. So going back to those times, right? Because I think it's really challenging when, and there's a lot of clients that we have and a lot of people in our community who have reached a level of success. And then due to one reason or another, it all, you know, crashes and burns. They lose everything and they can't can't stop mourning this previous life and level of success and almost identity of being a successful entrepreneur that they had. They can't move past it. And so I'm curious when you were in that place, right? Of feeling like, holy shit, like what happened, right? How did you come out of that? Because that's a really challenging thing to do. And not only to come out of it, but to come out of it thriving, right? And to come out of it feeling creative and productive and confident. And, you know, how did you do that? So today I use that I look back upon that time and I see it as the greatest lesson I've ever had is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, but in the moment, there's no way, like if you're going through tr- trials and struggle and your identity gets torn apart, there's no way in the moment that you can look at it and say, you know, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. So as time goes on and that wound heals, you then see it's a blessing. But in the moment, a friend of mine gave me the greatest outlet. It was, it was unbelievable. I, I was struggling and, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine. He goes, you know what you need to do? You need to start journaling, which is the guy's term for a diary. So I'm like, a diary? I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, I've never done that. He's like, no, do it. And I'm like, oh, you mean like a success journal where I write down like, um, you know, I got up this morning. Uh, you know, I, I actually got some work done, you know, made a phone call. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, That's, that doesn't work. He goes, the goal of a journal is to simply be an outlet for your current thoughts to release the steam. He goes, whatever thought you're feeling, write it down. So when I was going through the pits of my deepest emotional struggles, I was just writing down hatred for myself, for, for I was pointing blame at others. I was hating on God. I'm like, you know, this is the worst. Well, what happened with that journal, when I was writing those thoughts down, I would feel this temporary release of stress. Sometimes it was very brief few minutes, a few seconds, other times a few hours or even a day. It was during that release that I was able to concentrate on moving myself forward again to start getting clarity on what I need to do. But without that journal, I was just stuck in the quagmire of of self-loathing. So I can't specify how important, at least for me, that journaling was in navigating through that time. Yeah, absolutely. And and something that I actually wanted to touch on that, that you said is that you even became angry and blaming God, right? And I don't yeah. know if you consider yourself, you know, a religious person I or do. a spiritual person. Okay. Yeah. So so I am, and I would say most of our audience is faith-based in, in some way or another. And so I'm curious, how have you relied 
on your faith, because there's a lot of ups and downs in entrepreneurship, right? Um, a lot of stuff that you just can't predict. And it can make you feel a little bit lost and alone sometimes. Um, so how do you how do you sort of navigate that? And how do you use your faith, your spirituality to, to deal with that? Yeah, so for my part of the definition of how I see my faith is uh, I actually wear it on my wrist. So instead of wearing a religious symbol, I wear an infinity sign. Um, but to me, that's the definition of faith. With the realization, well, my realization is, is that humanity is on a constant infinite cycle of experience building. So it's not like you are better than me, nor am I better than you. That, that doesn't exist. We're all just in different elements of our life's journey to gain experience and awareness. And therefore, I have an equal amount to learn from the person that we may see as the most destitute, struggling person versus the person we see as the most successful and happy and wealthy or whatever. There is no greater value in any of the journey because it's all on this pathway. We just need to look over from where we stand today to others to learn and share. Like that's the, the essence of how I see faith is, is that we're all from a singular source and we're all on a journey. Um, and when I did that, and I, you know, I, I realized that that, dark period was an opportunity, a lesson. It was expansion for me, if, if I receive it that way. And in everything I experienced, our conversation today, I can perceive it and do as an expansion. And then it becomes very healthy. Listen, I'm not saying like, you know, if I'm not, I don't get stressed anymore. You know, if it's stressful, if, if something negative happens, there's a stress association with it. But as I go through the reflective period over those things, um, seeing that in this infinite loop of expansion, so I'm like, ah, that has served me. Um, that that can, you know, facilitate my journey more. Oh, this gives me more to give to others, and and it opens me more to receive from others. So that's how my faith has played into this. Yeah, and I, I think that it's essential. You know, whether people identify as faith based or not. But if you aren't looking at every experience as an opportunity for expansion and growth, then you don't have the capacity to take any action, right? Like it, it has to come from a place of believing in what's possible, believing in the abundance, not knowing what's around the corner, but knowing that it's coming, right? And from that, you can take bigger and better action. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think we can live our life for, you know, 80 years, 90 years, however long we're going to live on this planet as individuals or 40 years, whatever it is. We can live as long as we want, but we can repeat one year over 40 times, or we can have constant expansion. And I think that's a choice we make. I think if we are closed to possibility, then we close our growth. Yes, yes, I completely agree. And speaking of choices, this leads perfectly into my next question. So most people who are in our community, they are either coaches or they're creative entrepreneurs or service providers of some kind. And we have a certain percentage that are probably getting toward seven figures at this point, but I'd say the vast majority are still trying to reach their first six figures. And what I find for these students and the people in our community who are at this stage, there's a lot of choices, right? Like what are the things that they should be focusing on in order to get there? Now, a lot of people have come to me and said, Lena, is a profit, profit first, right? Like is it dialing in, um, you know, my different sort of financial plan and, you know, organizing that? Is it more focusing on my content, my packages, my audience development? right there's so much overwhelming opportunity and choices when it comes to getting into your first six figures but i'm curious from your experience and you've worked with so many thousands of entrepreneurs at all kinds of levels what do you think are some of the most crucial business building actions that they should be prioritizing right now and prioritizing consistently in order to get there great question yeah so you know 
I, I found this challenge, and actually this became the thesis for my newest book that I'm releasing, is uh, entrepreneurs who were coming to me and say, hey, what book should I read of yours or anyone's book? And I used to blurt it out, like, oh, whatever I was enthusiastic about, which was a mistake. And then I started hmm. to ask, well, well, let me ask you this. What, what, what's the challenge you're facing? Because we should research and study what our biggest challenge is. But then I've come to what now is my thesis is that the biggest challenge entrepreneurs face is knowing what their biggest challenge is. And uh, so I developed this hierarchy of needs. The, the book is called Fix This Next. But in there, I have this hierarchy of needs. I call it the business hierarchy of needs. And foundationally, at the very early stages, a business needs sales. Sales is the creation of cash. Um, but very soon after that, we need uh, profit. That's the next level up. And profit is the creation of stability. Uh, sadly, many businesses get confused at this level. They, they focus on sales more and more. And when they're struggling financially, they're not, they're not profitable. They actually try to sell their way out of it, which is actually the wrong thing to do. Sales for an organization is stress on an organization. Some of you sale, that organization, your company, regardless of its size, now has a responsibility to deliver on that sale. Well, that responsibility in a small business reverts often to the business owner who's carrying the business on their back. So more sales translates directly to more stress on the owner. The balance of this is we, we need profitability. And profitability is something that we bake into a business. I talk about that in Profit First. We, it's, a, it's a habit of, of controlling costs, but also expanding margins constantly at every transaction, every level, every day. Then once we have profits with stability, then it comes about uh, the next level is called order, which is the creation of an organizational efficiency, where the effectively the company can run on its own in absence of the of the owner. And even these three levels, Lena, it's not like you, you climb up a ladder. Like once you have sales, you go right to profit, and that's all you ever do. Once you've mastered profit, you go to order. We will bounce around. Like well, you get some sales coming in and then you establish a profit system and you're profitable. Then you may go back to the sales level to drive more sales, which will fuel the potential for more profitability. And you go back to profit and you strengthen that. But at a certain point, then we need to move up toward organizational efficiency where there's no dependency on the owner or even linchpin employees. And then the next two levels are impact and legacy. That's the, the five of the, uh, the business hierarchy of needs. Impact is the creation of transformation. <clears throat> and most businesses focus on transactions. How much am I selling for what amount? Uh, the most successful businesses focus on transformation. How am I engaging this client in a way that's changed their life, that they now have an affinity toward my company, my brand, and association because of the impact we've had on them? Uh, a classic kind of global example would be Harley-Davidson. You can buy a motorcycle from anyone, but when you buy Harley-Davidson, you're now part of the Harley-Davidson family. You're part of a tribe. You're a weekend warrior. You get the tattoo. That's transformation. There's an association of belonging in a certain way. And then the highest level that a business aspires to is called legacy. Legacy is the creation of permanence, where we intentionally design the business to live well beyond us. It's not about our active input and carrying the business on our back. We structure the business as a, uh, a grand intent, grand purpose to be of service, uh, to be of change, to be a provider for our communities. And there's no dependency on us, the owner. We intentionally design it to live in into perpetuity. So that's that's the five levels. I'd argue for most small businesses, sales is the very beginning, but very quickly, and I bet you a lot of people are listening in right now, they probably have a profit problem. They think they have a sales problem, but it's a profit problem. Because if they're not taking home enough money, if the business isn't stable and if there's this constant need to sell more to save the business, that means there's not a profit system in place. We need to establish that and then we boost your sales a little bit more. 
Yes, that completely makes sense. I'm sure you guys, if you're listening, so like I'm imagining my audience like frantically taking notes right now. If you need to go back, guys, it's okay. Go back and uh, slow it down a little bit and take those notes. That was amazing. Thank you so much. And that I'm sure provides so much clarity. So uh, somebody actually in our audience, she asked this question and I wanted to be sure to get it in here. Um, so she is a service provider. She is a mark. Uh, has a marketing agency. And here's what she said. So she said, so for those who are thinking about investing in their business in the first time, so maybe that means, uh, you know, she's thinking about hiring consultants or coaches or team members or just, you know, or, or maybe on certain software, it doesn't matter, right? But but something, investing in her own business for the first time to help them grow. How does having money from making investments in your business work? Is there ever a time where you should take on debt or should you plan for investments in your from your business account, from your expense account? So I'm going to put a big asterisk next to this, but I'll say, yes, there are times, but a huge asterisk because many people will tune me out right after that. They'll say, oh, yes, I can use debt, and they're off to the races. Can I max out my credit cards? You know, Can I borrow from the bank? Uh, because I want to grow. And the reason we default to that so quickly is there's that saying, it takes money to make money. And I want to call BS on that. That's not, that's not true. It actually takes innovative thinking to generate the most money. It takes organizational efficiency to generate a healthy stream of cash. And there's always other components that are generated really from thought, thought and effort, not money. Now, here's the advantage of money. You, you using your own money or outside money. Money amplifies habits. The example I can use uh, is two cases. What we'll talk about someone that has, uh, unfortunately, they say a drug addiction. And they have a drug addiction, and you go to that person and say, here's a million dollars. What do you think will happen? I'll tell you this. They will likely get more drugs. It's not that uh, because they were uh, struggling financially that they went on drugs necessarily. Somehow they got on drugs, and it's put them in this constant consumption of money to support that drug habit. You give them more money, it amplifies them. So money is an amplifier of habits. Now, on the good side, say there's someone that's a big donor to the community. They, they do everything to support their community. Uh, anything they can, and that's the first and foremost in their mind, you give that person money, I suspect they won't become a drug addict. I suspect they will actually become a bigger contributor to their business uh, or their community. So money is an amplifier of the established habits that we have. We have to be really confident that we have profit habits in place for our business before we use any kind of debt leveraging. What we do is we have to be confident that for every dollar I'm going to borrow, that within a very specific time frame, let's say 90 days, I'm getting $2 back. And we need 100% or near 100% assurity of that. If we say, you know, if I put a dollar in today, I think we'll probably make a couple of dollars back through Facebook ads. Let's just do it. And then they blow this money. It's gone. Like, oh, that didn't work. And now they're, they have debt that they have to pay off in another way. And they start this downward spiral of debt. So definitely use money only with that assurity. And sadly, it's the minority, very, very few businesses that go in with that confidence. But the ones that do, the ones that really consider investment of the dollar, the guarantee of return, the time frame for it, they even test it out. Instead of borrowing you know, $10,000 or $50,000, they start off with a $200 investment, they test it, they validate it, they repeat, they test and validate. Once they have that confidence, those businesses often do very well with debt. That completely makes sense. Thank you for breaking that down. My pleasure. So with that, Mike, tell us about your new book, what we can be looking forward to, how we can get our hands on it, and how we can do the conversation with you. What is next if people are new to the world of you? 
Lena, thank you for uh, offering this. And by the way, you mentioned they may be living under a rock if they haven't heard of me. Uh, trust <laughs> me, you're not living under a rock if you haven't heard of me. Um, but uh, my intention is to be of great service to you. Now, there's there's two things I have. So the brand new book is called Fix This Next. It's available on Amazon uh, currently for pre-order. So you can get it the day it comes out and it's discounted right now. And ultimately, it'll be you know at all the major bookstores and airports and stuff. But uh, definitely, you can get a copy now. And the thesis of that book, as I shared earlier, is the biggest challenge entrepreneurs face is knowing what their biggest challenge is. Fix This Next will pinpoint the vital need in your business. And if you in your business experience the syndrome of two steps forward, yet three steps back, you are perfectly suited for this book because we're going to start taking leaps forward and more leaps forward and not rewind the business anymore. So that's what Fix This Next is about. And then I've written other books. Profit First currently is my most popular, uh, Clockwork, Pumpkin Plan. All my books are available for free download, at least the inaugural chapters. So if you go to my website, and I'll give you two ways to get there, you can go to mikemichalowitz.com, but if you can spell Michalowitz, you're one of like one or two other people on the planet that can do it, <laughs> me being one of them. So go to mikemotorbike.com. It's easy because it rhymes, but that's also my nickname in high school. I've never driven a motorcycle, a little disclaimer. But if you go to <laughs> mikemotorbike.com, I'll bring it to my website. There's an option to get the tools. And in one, you don't have to subscribe or anything. One email, I will give you all the free chapters plus uh, keynotes I've delivered and some other rich content that I think will, I'm confident will serve your business. It's mikemotorbike.com. Incredible. And you guys, this will all be linked in the show notes below the correct spelling of his name and that website. <laughs> um, so no worries. Mike, this was so, so, so lovely. Thank you so much for being here. Lena, thank you to you. This was a joy. Of course. Guys, thanks for tuning in to Unfiltered, and I will see you on the next episode.